0: I was in, I
1: Good evening and welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. I hope you're all staying warm out there tonight. I just spoke with my family back in the Midwest and they mentioned that they had several inches of snow overnight. And to be honest, we're expecting some in my area by the end of the week. So I suppose if it's going to snow, there's no better time than now, the holiday season. It's weather like this that reminds me of an infamous story from the windswept Great Lakes region. I know I mentioned the Wendigo in the past, a half-man, half-deer spirit that is said to wander the frigid countryside in search of weakened and hungry bodies to possess. Once the Wendigo has taken its hold, the possessed is plagued with insatiable hunger. Hunger for human flesh. This story takes place in the winter of 1879. The following is a segment from the Destination America series, Monsters and Mysteries in America.
2: America's Northwoods border region. Within this land of 10,000 lakes and miles of dense timber, a hideous creature is believed to lurk. The North Woods is probably one of the last frontiers in America. There's still a lot of places in, in this area that hasn't been set foot by man. Monsters and mysteries exist here because it is remote. Up in the North Woods, winters are long. In times of biting cold and isolation, a devouring monster is believed to come forth. It's terrorized native people for generations. Growing up I was told, like, don't go outside, the Wendigo will get you. Among the traditions of the northern Algonquin tribes is the Wendigo, a monster that can seize
3: hold of a person to carry out its hunger for human flesh. The Wendigo force itself would go somehow inside of their bodies and take over control of their faculties to a point where they become homicidal and cannibalistic.
2: According to the legends, someone infected by the Wendigo
3: is capable of almost anything. They have such a voracious hunger that they have chewed their own lips off. They're gnawing on their fingers the more that they eat their hunger does grow even more intense
2: one of the most horrific cases of wendigo possession unfolded in the 1870s when a cree indian named swift runner turned up in town claiming his wife and children were missing
0: police investigators suspected foul play When they walked to his campsite, they were horrified by what they saw. And it didn't take them very long to discover there was something more sinister to this story.
2: For centuries, the legend of the cannibalistic Wendigo has haunted parts of America's northern border. No one is safe in its
3: path. The Wendigo is the predator of humanity. It stalks human beings relentlessly, but it also has the capacity to prey upon someone within their minds.
2: Once the Wendigo takes hold, you are a starving, savage beast with an insatiable hunger.
3: The legend of the Wendigo originated in North America with the Native Americans. Reports of it go back to the very early historical records, probably in the 1500s.
0: Many Native Americans fear even talking about this Wendigo. And even the mention of the name will let the Wendigo find out where you are, and it will open you up to be possessed by this Wendigo. The most
2: famous case of a Wendigo possession took place in 1879. In the deep woods outside of Edmonton, Alberta. Swift Runner, a Cree Indian, was a trapper and a guide. He had left town the previous autumn with his wife, six children, and his mother. But when Swift Runner returned in spring, he was alone.
0: Swift Runner came into a nearby village telling this heartbreaking tale. I had to watch them starve, to death. of his family being killed by starvation. And that he was the only survivor my whole family going
2: it wasn't hard to understand a family falling victim to a brutal winter yet something was suspicious about swift runner
0: he was a, a strapping man and he came into town weighing over 200 pounds it didn't look like somebody who had just weathered a terrible winter he wasn't malnourished didn't look like he was starving he looked healthier than ever After
2: a few nights, it became clear that something
0: was wrong. He started having night terrors screaming in his sleep. I am the wendigo.
2: Villagers alerted the
0: police. Swift Runner actually guided them back to his winter cabin. When they got there, that's when they saw the true horror. Human skulls were scattered around, many bones, some of which had been snapped in half and the marrow inside had been drained. They had never seen anything like it. Swift Runner had killed his entire family, shooting them, hitting them with an ax, strangling, and then eating most of their bodies.
2: Right up until the moment the noose was on his neck, Swift Runner swore the evil spirit of the Wendigo had possessed
0: him and twisted him into a cannibal killer. When he was on the gallows, Swift Runner himself said, I am no longer a man.
2: In the unforgiving Northwoods, hunger and horror go hand in hand. The wendigo can turn himself into anything. Look like somebody like you know he's a spirit and he's a man.
1: So yeah quite disturbing. So I guess in short if it's snowing in your neck of the woods best keep an eye out. I have a great show lined up for you this evening ghost lore. So without further hesitation, let's get into our first call.
4: Hey there, Derek. Uh, This is Kay from uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, I just wanted to share a short little story that I had. um, Kind of, I guess, poltergeist sort of experience. Um, Nothing huge, but... um, I was working as a uh, stalker at um, at a pet store in town, and one night we—actually, well, it was on Halloween night—I think three or four years ago—we uh, were joking around about, oh, you know, we're there early in the morning because we were working uh, from like three to, three to eight um, in the morning. And we were joking about, you know, just spooky things that we've noticed in the area, you know, and, like, especially, you know, again, working there late at night, and it's easy to see things out of the corner of your eyes, so we joked about the place being haunted. Um, so uh, after, you know, we kind of pal around and we get the truck unloaded, uh, we or we start loading up things to bring them to different sections of the store, and so I take uh, a whole bunch of fish bowls to take to our aquarium section. Um, we have just, you know, one of those, we called them U-boats, just little carts that you just wheel around, um, and just had that loaded up with fishbowls, um, and I probably put too many on it, but that's how life is. Um, and so I just went and I brought them over and then I accidentally knocked one of the fishbowls over and so I went and grabbed a dustpan and a broom to uh, try and clean it up and, uh, you know not have a mess of it and that would be a danger to people and so as I was going back to get the, uh, the dustpan and broom suddenly I hear another crash uh, and then I come back and I see that another fishbowl has kind of fallen to the ground um, and so I think maybe I just left it un, unsteady uh, and it just fell and I just kind of annoyed uh the situation. situation uh, so I go back and then suddenly I hear two more falling down. And then, kind of like a rattling sound uh and so i kind of I kind of come back and I look and I see that there's a that the u boat is just kind of shaking um and suddenly uh it like almost starts bucking uh like almost like you're hitting it from underneath um, and then the just every single fishbowl on it just comes crashing down to the ground um it was just really bizarre, and it was, uh, you know, I'm not, like, a big believer in the paranormal stuff, but I just thought that was just kind of an interesting thing, you know, it might just be that the metal was warped and it was moving, but, I mean, it was bucking like a, like a bronco, I mean, just going absolutely crazy on that, um, and, uh, you know, it's hard to think that it was just, like, a little thing, you know, like a warping of the metal or something on it, so, yeah, that's my story, um, I know it's not much, but if you have a slow day, uh-huh. Alright, cool. Thanks so much for the Monsters Among Us po- podcast. That's such a good time to listen to that. Bye.
1: Thank you, Kay. I have to be honest here. If there weren't already reports of activity in the building, I would say that this was probably just some sort of anomaly with the cart. Of course, that doesn't prove anything either, but it does substantiate the experience. Thanks again for sharing. For our next tale, we travel across the pond. This is Andy's story. Forgive me if I don't read it in an English accent. I grew up in a house in England, a town called Hoyton in Maryside. It looked just like every other house in the street, but from what I remember, we shared our house with someone, or something. I wouldn't say it was a nasty spirit, but it always made me feel uneasy and not very welcome. The events of my story probably wouldn't have made a movie or be remembered like the Enfield Poltergeist, but to me, as a child and as a teenager, it was terrifying. My earliest memory must be from when I was around four. I'm now 29, so it seems such a long time now. I'm not sure whether this memory is a vivid dream that scared me so much I can remember it 25 years later, or perhaps it was my first and only night terror. Then again, there's a third option that all of this could have been real. I was lying in bed trying to go to sleep with the landing light on, because like all kids, I was afraid of the dark. All of a sudden, a yellow teddy bear popped up at the side of my bed something like a hand puppet. The scary thing is, I didn't own the bear, but recognized it off of a children's show from here in the UK. I thought it might be my brothers. They were teens and they regularly tried to scare the crap out of me. But I looked under my bed afterwards and there was no one there, and I saw no shadows in the light that was coming in. Fast forward a few years. My mom told me that on two or three occasions, she had seen a young girl probably younger than 10, in Victorian-style dress, walk from the hallway near my room and through her open door, and go stand behind the door only to disappear. This freaked me out so bad. My mom didn't like talking about it, which made me believe that it was real to her, and not just a story. Could she be trying to play with me all those years ago with that bear? Fast forward again another few years into my early teens. I was still in the back bedroom, but now all my brothers had moved out and I was like an only child. I got a set of drums, so I needed space. My parents got me one of those bunk beds with nothing underneath, so my drums could go underneath and I could still fit my bed in the room. Not every night, but quite a few nights a week I would climb into bed feeling uneasy. I always turned the light off and ran up the ladder as fast as possible because I was so scared of this room. Sometimes I would lie in bed and it would feel like someone standing next to my bed shaking it gently. Not violently or anything of the sort, but enough that I would notice it. And it wasn't me that could be causing it, because I was so scared I would freeze and not dare to move. This horrible atmosphere continued so much so that I moved into the smaller front room where I felt a million times better. The final incident happened when I was around 19, just before I moved out. I met my girlfriend, who was a few hours drive away, and I was talking to her on the phone one night. I had been in the back bedroom on the computer, as that's where my dad decided to keep it. Great choice. I hurriedly rushed into my safe, cozy front room, closing the door while still talking on the phone. My girlfriend knew I was scared of this time of night because I used to tell her the hallway walk to bed freaked me out. In our house, we had an alarm system. You punched in a four-digit number, and it would beep and then set. The only way it was triggered is if you came down the stairs and didn't turn it off after it started beeping again. Basically, it gets set off by movement. One night, my girlfriend said to me something along the lines of, What would you do if the house alarm went off because they came up the stairs after you? She was just trying to worry me. I felt okay, though, as I was in my room now. But, about five seconds after she said it, the alarm went off. It had never done this before. It didn't even do the warning beeps. It just went off. It just set the alarms off ringing. I was petrified. My girlfriend asked what it was and I said it was the alarm. We were now both scared to death. I jokingly thought maybe the ghost had heard our conversation and took it as some sort of challenge. Since then though, I live with my girlfriend in her house two hours away from my parents. And we occasionally visit my parents' house. My kids had my small room, and we, yeah, you guessed it, had the back bedroom. My girlfriend hated this room, too. She said what I said, that she feels like she's being watched. It's almost an atmosphere you can feel, like a buzzing silence. She used to text me to come to bed, and I always left the light on. She was too embarrassed to say she was scared in front of my parents. Thankfully, they have moved from this house now, and I don't have to sleep in that room anymore. Hope you like my story, and thanks for reading. Thank you, Andy. I appreciate you sharing your encounters. I myself have noticed certain areas of certain houses giving off a strange, sometimes terrifying vibe. I've always wondered if that area simply had a stronger electromagnetic field emitting from it. Perhaps the electrical breaker box was opposite a joining wall or directly below the room. I've read mixed reports about the effects of strong EMF, electromagnetic field, some claiming it causes anything from anxiety and nausea to full-out hallucinations and rashes. Perhaps that's an explanation that will allow you to sleep at night. Thank you again for sharing. Next up is a story from a familiar voice. Dylan called in a few weeks ago about a ghost that basically tried to put the moves on him. Here's Dylan's second encounter.
5: Hi, this is Dylan again, and I just wanted to share another story, uh, another experience that I had. Um, This has probably maybe been, maybe two, two years or two, three years ago. I lived with my parents um, in a country house outside of the city and um every since then we've started having issues we've started having troubles um with our house um and like we had to do some repairs and things so after that it seemed like things started to pick up and uh, we would hear sounds and we hear door closings and just different things and um, my dad is very uh sensitive to paranormal um experiences um so you know, we was kinda of used to hearing him tell stories and things. But um, one day we was all sitting outside. It was it was the nighttime and we was kinda of enjoying the fresh air and I had a couple of friends over and we was just all talking and my dad built a cabin that was actually up in the woods where we lived and we lived on an acre acre lot and um but we had some wooded areas where he built a cabin and uh, it had an upstairs and had electricity through it and everything. And we were just all sitting on the porch at our house, and we just happened to look up, and there's our cabin light was on. And my dad thought, well, maybe, you know, I left it on. So he went back there, and he went back into our house, and he could switch off the power from the cabin from our house because he had it wired that way. So he actually cut the line um, or turned the light off from the breaker box, and we just, you know, went on with our conversation. After he'd done that, we started talking. Well, the light came back on, and we began to look up there, and um, we would see the light on and upstairs. And we, Dad was like, I know I just flipped that breaker. He said, let me try it again. So he went back there, and he flipped it again, and it just shut off. So then we went back to what we was doing, talking and everything and uh, maybe 30, 45 minutes went by, and the light came back on. And my dad at that point was like, okay, whatever's up there, they want the light on, so I'm gonna keep it on. And my dad had uh, this little thing that he used to listen to birds, and then I guess it picks up sound, and uh, he happened to aim it up there toward the cabin, and we would hear like an Indian beating on a drum. And doing their cadence, and kind of like singing a song, and we thought that was very strange and I asked some of my neighbors if they've ever experienced anything and one of my neighbors said, "You do know where you know what kind of land that you're living on?" And I said, "No," and he said, "You're living on an Indian burial ground and he said, "There's a lot of things that happen around this area, and I mean we would see orbs that's in the middle of the field that was in the middle of us um We would see, you know, people in the trees, you know, know, sleeping in the trees. And you may think that's strange because my neighbor would see, you know, a Civil War soldier actually sleeping in the trees. So it was just a strange place. Um, My dad and mom eventually moved to a different uh, house and um, didn't see anything having any issues, but um, it was just a creepy house, just a creepy feeling. But yeah, that's my story, and I appreciate the podcast. Thank you for letting me share this,
1: and uh, take care. Thank you. Thank you, Dylan. It's great hearing from you again. I don't want to sound like a skeptic, but I wonder if it's possible that your father was switching off the wrong breaker. I don't know of any other explanation as to how the light would continue to come on with the breaker off. Then again, I'm not an electrician, so perhaps there is a logical explanation there somewhere. As for the Native American chants, that's my favorite part of your story. I have a huge interest and much respect for the indigenous people of this land, and any time I hear of their spirit living on, I can't help but smile a little. Thank you again for sharing your stories. And that pretty much does it for this episode. But before I go, don't forget to call in your own personal story. The hotline is always open, always easy, and always free. 1-888-608-NIGHT That's 1-888-608-6444 Keep in mind, if you know someone that has an awesome story, I appreciate if you pass this information on to them. Or, plan B, you can always tell their story for them. We love secondhand stories, as long as they're good. Follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And as always, please take a few minutes to rate and review the show on iTunes. And lastly, if you're feeling generous this holiday season, please feel free to hit the donate button in the show's page. Music for tonight's episode was provided by Mayu, Keith McLeod, and Nature1986. Thank you all for listening, and until next week.